Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Sunday, September 11th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11 and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we begin a new Torah portion, Kitavo, and it means, When You Go In. Deuteronomy 26, 1-19 And it shall be, when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, and put it in a basket, and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. And you shall go to the one who is priest in those days, and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the country which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket out of your hand, and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall answer and say before the Lord your God, My father was a Syrian, about to perish, and he went down to Egypt and dwelt there few in number. And there he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. But the Egyptians mistreated us, afflicted us, and laid hard bondage on us. Then we cried out to the Lord God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice, and looked on our affliction, and our labor, and our oppression. 
So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. He has brought us to this place and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now behold, I have brought the firstfruits of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. So you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given to you and your house, you and the Levite and the stranger who is among you. When you have finished laying aside all the tithe of your increase in the third year, the year of tithing, and have given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your gates and be filled. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house, and also have given them to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandments, which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten any of it when in mourning, nor have I removed any of it for unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God, and have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven, and bless your people Israel and the land which you have given us, just as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. This day the Lord your God commands you to observe these statutes and judgments. Therefore you shall be careful to observe them, with all your heart and with all your soul. Today you have proclaimed the Lord to be your God, and that you walk in His ways and keep His statutes, His commandments, and His judgments, and that you will obey His voice. Also today the Lord has proclaimed you to be His special people, just as He promised you that you should keep all His commandments, and that He will set you high above all nations which He has made in praise, in name, and in honor, and that you may be a holy people to the Lord your God, just as He has spoken. Isaiah 8, 1-9-21 Then the Lord said to me, Isaiah, Make a large signboard and clearly write this name on it, Maher Shalal Hash Baz. I asked Uriah the priest and Zechariah son of Jerichiah, both known as honest men, to witness my doing this. Then I slept with my wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And the Lord said, Call him Maher Shalal Hash Baz. For before this child is old enough to say Papa or Mama, the king of Assyria will carry away both the abundance of Damascus and the riches of Samaria. Then the Lord spoke to me again and said, My care for the people of Judah is like the gently flowing waters of Shiloah, but they have rejected it. They are rejoicing over what will happen to King Rezin and King Pekah. Therefore the Lord will overwhelm them with a mighty flood from the Euphrates River, the king of Assyria and all his glory. This flood will overflow all its channels and sweep into Judah until it is chin deep. It will spread its wings, submerging your land from one end to the other, O Emmanuel. Huddle together, you nations, and be terrified. Listen, all you distant lands. Prepare for battle, but you will be crushed. 
Yes, prepare for battle, but you will be crushed. Call your councils of war, but they will be worthless. Develop your strategies, but they will not succeed, for God is with us. The Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, Don't call everything a conspiracy like they do, and don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of Heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. But to Israel and Judah, he will be a stone that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many will stumble and fall, never to rise again. They will be snared and captured. Preserve the teaching of God and trust his instructions to those who follow me. I will wait for the Lord who has turned away from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my hope in him. I and the children of the Lord has given me serve as signs and warnings to Israel from the Lord of heaven's armies who dwells in his temple on Mount Zion. Someone may say to you, Let's ask the mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead. With their whisperings and mutterings, they will tell us what to do. But shouldn't people ask God for guidance? Should the living seek guidance from the dead? Look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. They will go from one place to another, weary and hungry. And because they are hungry, they will rage and curse their king and their god. They will look up to heaven and down at the earth, but wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown out into the darkness. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery, and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice 
from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. The Lord has spoken out against Jacob. His judgment has fallen upon Israel. And the people of Israel and Samaria who spoke with such pride and arrogance will soon know it. They said, We will replace the broken bricks of our ruins with finished stone and replant the felled sycamore fig trees with cedars. But the Lord will bring Rezin's enemies against Israel and stir up all their foes. The Syrians from the east and the Philistines from the west will bear their fangs and devour Israel. But even then the Lord's anger will not be satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. For after all this punishment, the people will still not repent. They will not seek the Lord of Heaven's armies. Therefore, in a single day, the Lord will destroy both the head and the tail the noble palm tree, and the lowly reed. The leaders of Israel are the head, and the lying prophets are the tail. For the leaders of the people have misled them. They have led them down the path of destruction. That is why the Lord takes no pleasure in the young men and shows no mercy even to the widows and orphans. For they are all wicked hypocrites, and they all speak foolishness. But even then the Lord's anger will not be satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. This wickedness is like a brush fire. It burns not only briars and thorns, but also sets the forests ablaze. Its burning sends up clouds of smoke. The land will be blackened by the fury of the Lord of Heaven's armies. The people will be fuel for the fire, and no one will spare even his own brother. They will attack their neighbor on the right, but will still be hungry. They will devour their neighbor on the left, but will not be satisfied. In the end, they will even eat their own children. Manasseh will feed on Ephraim, Ephraim will feed on Manasseh, and both will devour Judah. But even then the Lord's anger will not be satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. Second Corinthians 12, 1-10 This boasting will do no good, but I, Paul, must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven fourteen years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so, because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it, because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, 
I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, and each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Psalm 55, 1-23 Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my cry for help. Please listen and answer me, for I am overwhelmed by my troubles. My enemies shout at me, making loud and wicked threats. They bring trouble on me and angrily hunt me down. My heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me, and I cannot stop shaking. Oh, that I had wings like a dove, and then I would fly away and rest. I would fly far away to the quiet of the wilderness. How quickly I would escape far from this wild storm of hatred. Confuse them, Lord, and frustrate their plans, for I see violence and conflict in the city. Its walls are patrolled day and night against invaders. But the real danger is wickedness within the city. Everything is falling apart. Threats and cheating are rampant in the streets. It is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It is not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion and close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together in the house of God. Let death stalk my enemies. Let the grave swallow them alive, for evil makes its home within them. But I will call on God, and the Lord will rescue me. Morning, noon, and night I cry out in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. He ransoms me and keeps me safe from the battle waged against me. Though many still oppose me, God, who has ruled forever, will hear me and humble them. For my enemies refuse to change their ways. They do not fear God. As for my companion, he betrayed his friends. He broke his promises. His words are as smooth as butter, but in his heart is war. His words are as soothing as lotion, but underneath are daggers. Give your burdens to the Lord, and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. But you, O God, will send the wicked down to the pit of destruction. Murderers and liars will die young, but I am trusting you to save me. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5 Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. 4, 3, 2, 1. I want to speak to you today from Isaiah 
chapter 8 and 9, and then we're going to jump into 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And in Isaiah, chapter 8, verse 11 and 12 and 13, I want to zoom in on those three verses. The Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, Don't call everything a conspiracy like they do, and don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make Yahweh Savayot, the Lord of Heaven's armies, holy in your life. He is the one you should fear, and He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. These are very relevant, practical verses that we can apply today. The mainstream media has become weaponized, and it's a propaganda tool of the global deep state elitists. And they have tried to terrify and put fear into the hearts of all the people worldwide regarding this coronavirus pandemic. And when people are operating in fear, they're easy to control and manipulate. And so because people were afraid of getting sick with coronavirus, afraid of dying, they rolled up their sleeves and they went and got the jab. But what this is saying here is, God gave a strong warning to Isaiah, and he's giving that same warning to us. Not to think like everyone else does. Well, there's a very strong message that's gone out on the airways through the mainstream media to be afraid of the coronavirus and therefore go get the jab. And what is God's antidote to that? Instead of walking in fear of death, or in fear of getting sick with the coronavirus, he wants us to walk in the fear of the Lord. And that's a different kind of a fear. It's not like a fear like you're afraid of a snake biting you, or afraid of dying. It's a fear as in a reverence, a holy awe of who God is. A reverence, a reverential fear that he is God and you and I, we are not. And so as we have a fear of the Lord and we make him our number one in our life, he is the one who should make you tremble. We draw near to him and he will make keep us safe. What's the worst possible thing that can happen? Well, I could get coronavirus and die and I would immediately be ushered into the arms of Yeshua. So I'm not afraid of death. When I walk in faith, it annihilates the fear of death because I know that from the moment I have become born again, I eternal life begins now. It begins at our point of being born again. Eternal life begins right now. So I'm not afraid of death. When I die, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So these are words we really need to take to heart. We're not to walk in fear of death. We're not to walk in fear of getting sick with the coronavirus. 
We're to walk in the fear of the Lord. We're to walk in faith. Now, in chapter 9 of Isaiah, there's some encouraging words in chapter in verses 1 and 2. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. You know, those verses kind of echo back and and, and sort of have, it's a remez hint of the time in Egypt when they were under the boot of Pharaoh and when they were slaves and they had hard, hard, hard labor. And in many ways, we are living in those kind of times today. The middle class has been squeezed out. Billionaires have been made on this whole pandemic business. There's an Italian maker who makes glass vials, and he's become a billionaire because the glass vials are used to store the coronavirus uh, solution. I won't call it a vaccine because it's not a vaccine. Of course, Moderna and Pfizer, people there, have become wealthy. Certain people have become billionaires and made a huge profit over this whole pandemic business. But then many other people, their life savings has been wiped out. They've lost their jobs. Companies, small businesses have been destroyed. Small little family restaurants, small little hardware stores that are owned by mom and pop. Many stores have shut down. And farmers are being squeezed big time. Um, being told they can't plant their crops, there's no fertilizer, the cost of fertilizer is high, or ranchers who raise cattle, the cost of feed is very, very high. And, you know, the big globalists are just swallowing up the small little fish in the ocean. So the rich become richer and the poor become poorer and the middle class is squeezed out. And there's a lot of oppression. So, you know, you have low-paying jobs and you're like a little worker bee, a drone. A slave, a slave to Pharaoh. People work very hard now just to put some gas in their tank, just to buy groceries because of the high cost of food and gas. Energy prices are skyrocketing. We're coming into the winter months very soon. Energy prices in Europe are going to be out of this world, incredibly expensive. And that's, you know, because of all the sanctions on Russia. And so we see a lot of oppression. And yet these verses talk about how God is going to break the yoke of slavery, lift the heavy burden from their shoulders, break the oppressor's rod, and that those who walk in darkness will see a great light. Let that be so. Yes and amen. Let it be so and let it be soon. Now I want to jump into 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And 
Paul is speaking here, recall now that Paul, before he was converted, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew the Torah inside and out. He was a high religious leader. Uh, He was of the line of Abraham. And so God has had to humble him. And so he speaks from a place of humility here in this passage. And he talks about how he, he's had some visions and dreams and gone up to uh, heavenly places, but he's not allowed to speak about exactly what he saw and heard because it's just, you're not allowed to talk about it. And so he goes on to say, So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Now, many have you know, discussed and wondered what was that thorn in his flesh. Some have said, you know, they guessed that perhaps it was that his vision was was, uh, very poor. Paul was actually stoned, and some of those stones actually hit his head and probably did damage to his vision and his eyesight. In another epistle, at the very end of the epistle, He says, I, Paul, write this in my own handwriting. But other times he'll have somebody else write the letter and he dictates to them. They're like the stenographer. So we know his vision was impaired. Perhaps this was his thorn in the flesh. But actually, he doesn't really come out and state directly what it is. So we can all relate to it. Because we all may have a different kind of a thorn in the flesh. You know, for one person, it might be that they're unequally yoked in a marriage and the spouse is not a believer. And that can be a trial. For another, it could be that they're single, divorced, and never remarried. And and that's a huge trial of difficulty. Each person's thorn in the flesh is different and is uniquely designed to do the work that God intends it to do. So, to keep me from becoming proud, he goes on to say, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me, and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, and each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ can work through me. That really runs counter to our flesh. We want to be strong. We want to put our best foot forward. We want to come across as though, hey, I've got everything all together, and I'm strong. And Yet Paul says that he boasts now in his weaknesses. And that takes humility. When we boast in our weaknesses, our pride is annihilated. It is stomped under our feet. That's upside down thinking. And yet this is how Abba wants us to walk. Let us boast in our weaknesses. Because then Yeshua's power is perfected in us. He's put on display because it's not our own power or strength, but it's his power and strength working through a cracked vessel. Have a blessed day and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom.
Yevrekka Adonai Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>